is October the 11th, 2012, and this is 508, a show about Worcester. Welcome to an audio-only edition of 508, kind of a novelty because we've been doing video mostly for so many years now. Today on the show, Brendan Melican. How are you, Brendan? Excellent, Mike. How are you? I'm okay. Also on the show, Chris Robarge. Chris, thanks for being on today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So it's been about a month since we did a regular live type of 508. Uh, it's always hard to know uh, how to deal with taking a month off from a weekly show because so many things happen in the interim. Uh, probably... Uh, definitely like the crazy piece of news this week involves the kidnapping in Africa of a Worcester resident. And we will talk about this a little bit later. This is definitely something you should you should read up on if you're just interested in stuff going on around town. Um, probably the most breaking news is actually something which had a little more attention paid to it tonight, which is the ongoing concerns over uh, elections in Worcester and whether or not the elections are being uh, are being run cleanly and especially in recent times whether or not the people who are uh, making sure that the elections are being run well are in fact intimidating certain voters in certain areas <laughs> through their uh, harsh examination of the election. Uh, Chris, were you at the election uh, commission election board meeting today? I was. Yeah. What is going on with all of this election stuff right now? Well, so the meeting tonight was, um, if, if anyone's ever attended an Elections Commission meeting, they know that in, in theory the Elections Commission has an agenda, but in actuality um, they kind of do some free-form jazz kind of stuff. So, um, you you know, it may or may not follow the agenda in any way, shape, or form. It could be a 30-minute meeting or a three-hour meeting. They might take public comment. They might not. Um, so tonight's meeting was uh, was pretty uh, pretty quick and actually pretty efficient. There wasn't any public comment. Um, some of the things. So you're saying it's kind of like a improvisational improvisational comedy. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, they they, yeah. they should all be uh, they should all be doing improv anywhere everywhere. Or maybe maybe they actually are. Maybe, maybe that's the big joke of, of the whole thing. Hmm. Do they do skits? Um, you know, I, it's they, they they either haven't done one yet, or the entire thing has been a skit all along. Uh, I could fair enough since in either direction. All right. So what? So what is what is what is your takeaway from this jazz performance of tonight of today? So uh, tonight's meeting addressed uh, six agenda issues, and I'm not going to remember what all of them were. Oh, but, I know uh, what they are. Oh, I can okay. tell you what they are, or at least I can tell you what Nicole Postel's notes are from uh, from her the agenda old business uh, follow up from the city solicitor as to whether or not the board can promulgate new rules and requirements for observers. Number two, follow up from the Secretary of State regarding the protection of voters' private information. Number three, status of mailer to inactive voters. Number four, update concerning the identification of and hiring of a deputy of deputy commissioners. Number five, update concerning the training schedule for poll workers. Number six, update concerning the production of flowchart documents in large format for display at polling locations. Yep, those, so those are, are our six ones. things. So um, number one is was was so no, was number one is is can the board promulgate new rules and requirements for observers? Right. So what they talked about around that specifically was. Um, was was really about they, they they've had a notion um, since the first meeting that they had after the primary that one of the things that they've wanted to, that they want to do is require um, 
some sort of uh, some sort of identification or some sort of uh, a way of knowing who is there observing. Um, right now, all that you have to do to observe at a poll is walk in and say, "I want to observe at the poll," um, and so they have no idea who you are um, or, or who you're there with or, or what you're doing really beyond that. So what okay. they um, and they had asked for some clarification uh, actually on several things uh, covering a number of the agenda items. They'd asked the city solicitor to get uh, some clarification from um, from the secretary of the Commonwealth's office as to what they could what they have the power to do without you know basically screwing with state elections law. And uh, astoundingly, uh, apparently the secretary of the Commonwealth's office has not gotten back to uh, anyone in the city. Like they've gotten no answer huh. whatsoever. So what the what the city clerk suggested that they do is that they actually propose some specific things that they want to see, and then they could sound those off. So on that on this agenda piece, what they decided, near as I could tell, to propose uh, was that there be a process uh, created to identify people by name, address, and city of residence, um, and to possibly require uh, them showing a proof of residency when they want to go in to observe. And uh, and also having observers wear observer badges that identify them. Hmm. Okay, and this is and this is mostly in response to the fact that during the primary, a couple people were removed who were observing were removed by police. Is that yeah, and, and and I think in, it's it's in particular it's it's in response um, to at least one person who was uh, poll watching in ten three for activate Worcester near as I could tell, uh, yeah. who refused to identify herself. Uh, to anyone, yeah. including the city clerk or the police, um, and she was there. removed. But there, there was talk of, you know, can we sanction these people and those sorts of things? And like, they don't even know who she is. Okay, and we should and we should point out not to be coy here that the the, the people who the people who have been accused at least of the intimidation in this last primary have been these have been people involved with Activate Worcester, which is like this uh, Tea Party group in Central Massachusetts. So number two, secretary follow up from the secretary of state regarding protection of voters' private information. What is that? So that was a, uh, a question talking about one of the other things that uh, that did ha- that I can tell you did happen because I saw it myself uh, was that there were uh, a few instances where um, people, well, people, uh, activate Worcester people in particular were either trying to videotape voters at the check-in table or were trying to photograph their identification when they presented identification at the check-in table. Um, so okay. there was some question around the legalities uh, concerning that. Again, they asked the Secretary of the Commonwealth's office, and again, you know, they haven't actually gotten any answer back. So there wasn't much doing on that piece. Okay. The third one is the status of mailer to inactive voters. Now, this is around this this whole thing where even if you're registered to vote and even if you vote every year, you still have to fill out a municipal census form so that you remain a, quote, active voter uh, if you're registered to vote in Worcester. Or any, I guess in any every city and town in the Commonwealth has to do this kind of a thing. Uh, and so this, is, this has been a source of confusion in this last election because it seems like uh, – it seems like maybe more than more people than normal um, were put on the inactive list, which means that when you go in to vote, there's what are they? There's a bunch of they actually like to show ID or show identification or prove your address or something. Yeah, what they're what they're actually supposed to ask you for, and this has been an issue um, with actually having it happen this way. But what they're supposed to ask you for is proof of residency, um, and okay. that can be any number of several things, including a utility bill, a government check, or anything, any other. 
quasi-official document that lists your name and your address. Yeah. So this was around okay. that. Um, I, you know, there there has been talk. I felt like there was a larger number of inactive voters this year, uh, or in September, than usual. Uh, the city clerk says that there was not. Uh, okay. That. Uh, Regardless, the number is high. It's close to. It's, in September, it was close to 50% of the voters in the city. And when you look at uh, the Latino or Southeast Asian communities, that number approaches 70%. Right. So it's right. a lot of people. So, so at least it was more of a concern. Can you cast a provisional ballot? Can you? I mean, can you cast a provisional ballot if you're in that situation? If you don't have a utility bill in your pocket? You can actually. You can actually do better than that. And this is one of the things that I wanted to make sure that we covered uh, because it's something. You know, we, we, we talk about the Activate Worcester folks and the stuff that they're doing, and I'm not a big fan of the stuff that they're doing, and we're out there to, to watch the stuff that they're doing. But uh, in my opinion, the, the single biggest voter suppression in Worcester is the inactive list. Uh, it causes more trouble for more people with voting than anything else. So yeah. uh, for people who uh, go to the polls and find that they're inactive, um, they are, they're asked to provide proof of residency, and that can be any of those things that I just listed. If they don't have it with them, they're, they're not only allowed to cast a ballot, but they're allowed to cast a challenge ballot. And the way that that works is they'll ask them either to sign this affidavit that says that I swear that I am who I am and that I live where I live, or they'll ask them to swear an oath that says the same thing. But they're allowed to cast a, a, a challenge ballot, and a challenge ballot is, is a regular ballot. Uh, what happens is that the, the warden signs the back of the ballot and marks on the, on the sheet, that they, you know, the, the registration sheet, that it was a challenge ballot, but it goes into the machine and it gets counted just like the other ballots. Uh, and one of the issues that we had in September was that that wasn't happening. But that's what's mm. supposed to happen. So people should know that uh, if they go and they don't have a proof of residency with them, they shouldn't be asked to leave and go and get it. And they shouldn't be given a provisional ballot. They should be given a challenge ballot, and it should go right into the machine along with all of the other ballots. Okay. Okay. Huh. I tell you, this thing about the provision, this thing about the, the uh, what do I want to say? This thing about the uh, 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 inactive voters list is something that I feel like is going to bite me at some point. Because I feel like I'm always moving. I'm always re-registering where I'm moving, but I'm not always... I feel like my mail sometimes doesn't catch up to me, and things like the city census sometimes pass me by. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's, there's going to be some day where I'm going to be I'm going to be going, I'm going to be running late, and I'm going to go into the place to vote, and they're going to be like, "Well, you didn't fill out the city census," and they're going to say, "Where's your ID?" And I'm going to be like, "Well, here's my ID, but it's actually where I was living like before I moved." And then they're going to be like, "Well, apparently you're some sort of voter fraudster because like I don't know because yeah. you don't have because you're because you because you have an older ID." And uh, you're in the wrong district, and so right. too bad. Right. You don't have a utility bill in your pocket. Yeah, and so that's the thing. And, you know, the other thing that, that makes um, driver's licenses and photo IDs actually a, not necessarily a great way to show um, what they're looking for is that the, uh, the RMV doesn't send those address stickers anymore. So even if you change your address and you do everything that you're supposed to do, they don't send you that little sticker that says that this person lives at a different address now. So if your ID lists mm. an old address, it, it's, it's of no use. You got to go and you got to make a little appointment with those guys and get a new a new card. No, you just I mean you just you keep your old license. It, it just doesn't reflect mm -hmm. your new address. That stuff all goes mm -hmm. into computers, but you don't get that. They, little oh, so they know that you they know that you've moved, but your license doesn't say that you've moved. Exactly. Huh. Yeah. Chris, so, at the, so, at the uh, end of the day, with all the concerns that we have about this rampant voter fraud that's fraudulently yep. 
defrauding everything. Um, how many cases, documented cases of voter fraud do we have in recent memory in Worcester? Um, in Worcester, uh, the number, to my knowledge, is zero. Zero. Well, yeah, so it's good the, um, that Activate Worcester is expending so much human capital on this pressing issue. Yeah, you know, like I guess, I guess it's um, it's it's nice of them to uh, to take their time and often come from outside of the city uh, just to come in and, and make sure that some of our um, you know some of our polling places in our foreign minority neighborhoods are uh, are acting you know absolutely one hundred percent in within the books uh, yet again, uh, but. Yeah, it's interesting. The League of Women Voters did, uh, they did a study, um, and I think that they looked at 20 years all across, uh, Worcester County. And mm-hmm. there were, uh, there were four reported cases of, um, of, uh, in-person voter fraud, uh, t- two of which were unsubstantiated and one of which was, um, I don't remember what the circumstance was, but it was like someone who, uh, voted for themselves in the wrong precinct or something. They were on the ballot. I, I don't remember. But anyway, there were, there were two possibly substantiated cases in 20 years in the entire county. But you so that, we should do a show about the problem that we're dealing with. We should do a show about these two people. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, we should track them down. I mean, you can certainly see why someone would spend decades of their life uh, fighting for uh, the opportunity to become an American citizen for the sole purpose of screwing with our uh, presidential cycle elections, uh, where their individual vote would have absolutely zero impact, fraudulent or not, on the Electoral College and that process in general. Well, I've said this before. I'm going to say this again, even though I will be criticized by the cynics among us. But I'm glad that there are people who are out there bird-dogging this stuff because it shows that we are the ivory soap of elections here in Worcester County. Mm. 99 and 4v4 100% pure. Well, you can have as many people as you want. You're not going to you're not going to find any, you're going to you're going to come up with pretty plenty of rumors and you're not going to find any evidence of anything. Yeah. The, to take a step back to I think the first point that uh, from the the agenda uh, the improvisational agenda tonight. Um, you know, if they're going to try and if they're going to restrict uh watching or observing uh, to you said city residents, uh, is that something no. that? Uh, oh, okay. They're, they're, I thought no, you said they're going to ask for proof of, re- proof of residency. They're going to ask people for proof of residency. I don't think that there's going to be any restricting of people who don't live in Worcester, but I, oh. I think that they're going to be asking people to to provide proof of residency so that they know where they live. Um, that's okay. the proposal, anyway. It obviously still has to be vetted, and, and I am sort of doubtful that it'll happen before November, if at all. But okay, all right. Brendan, if there are no further questions about this, I would like to move on to number four. Oh, <laughs> please, by all means. I forget that there was more. I'm sorry. I'm terrible at counting. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, update concerning identification of and hiring of deputy commissioners. Yeah, so deputy, um, they're... Deputy they're, commissioners are... What are they? What is that? Um, deputy commissioners are, are some additional people that they're going to bring in uh, who can sort of oversee some of the issues and I guess sort of be floating people that can uh, be, you know, resources for the wardens in places where there are problems of, of various types. Um, okay. And so they, they put forth some names um, tonight. I get they're, they're looking to hire four, I guess, and uh, and they have few, they had three names. So, uh Two would be Democrats and two would be Republicans. Hmm. Is Joe Scully some kind of poll watcher guy now? Uh, one of the names that was put forward tonight was Joe Scully, so he is potentially <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> a deputy commissioner. A deputy. Pending approval of the city manager. We'll see if that happens. 
I've been saying for years now that Joe Scully needed to be deputized for something, anything. Just it, it could be a crackerjack uh, badge of sorts, and but he still needs to be. I'm proud of the city of Worcester for finally coming to his senses yeah. and deputizing young Joe Scully. Get that, get that man a badge and a gun, or at least a taser. <laughs> uh, number five is update concerning training schedule for poll workers. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there wasn't too much uh, interesting about that. They um, they apparently uh, have sourced some funding to uh, to pay uh, the people for their time uh, to be trained. So one of the problems that they have with training is that uh, the inspectors aren't required to go to the training, um, nor are they paid for it. So not not only are they paid very little money uh, to be a an inspector on election day, but they're not paid to take this two hour training to take their time to go and do it, and they're not required to do it, so they uh, sometimes don't. Um, so right. they're, they're hoping that uh, kicking in that bit of cash uh, might help. And, and the inspectors are actually the ones who work the check-in table, where a lot of mm. this inactive voter stuff slash uh, challenges uh, from Activate Worcester folks, it's, it's where a lot of that happens. So if, if anybody really needs to be uh, up to, uh, to top shape on what the rules are, it's those folks. And so what happened as far as trying to train poll workers? So they, they basically, all, what they talked about was that they have their training days and that, they, um, that they're that they going to apparently be paying um, $40 for people to come to the training. Uh, the inspectors still aren't required to take the training, uh, but they'll now at least be compensated if they, if they do take the training. You know, I, I actually signed up to be like a poll guy, and I haven't heard back from them. Yeah, so. yeah. They, they, they keep saying that they're uh, that they're they're taking that they're still looking for people. So uh, I would I would. I'm here, people. That. Yeah, you know. Well, Steve, I, you got my email. Call me or <laughs> email me or whatever. So, Chris, <laughs> any indication that uh, any indication that part of that training might be a module covering how voter fraud doesn't actually exist? Um, no, I don't think that's going to be a part of the training. Um, oh. I think it's going to be the same 13 pager that they've been training people on for uh, for a long time. Uh, because that's I, obviously I worked that'll... out very well. Right. Yeah. Obviously. I, I ran out of jokes. I'm sorry. That's all. I'll bet that the Activate Worcester training that they're trying to get that they're trying to get uh, poll workers to go to covers voter fraud uh, a little bit more in depth. Hmm. I'm so excited that there's two that these these two voter frauds. We're definitely going to do a show where we're going to talk about the legend of these two voter frauds, <laughs> the legend and the reality of these two voter frauds. Number six is update concerning the production of flowchart documents in large format for display at polling locations. Oh, I am so against this flowchart thing, but what happened with this? So um, one of the things, uh, now that I know that you're against it, uh, one of the things that we had asked for uh, as, one of our, as one of our requests um, as, as from the Voter Protection Network was that uh, this proof of residency flowchart thing be, be posted for voters to see because, you know, the... Um, it, 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 unless the polling people clarify, you know, unless the inspectors clarify what proof of residency is, it just kind of gets left up to the imagination in most cases from what I've seen. What I see them do a lot is uh, is just ask people for driver's licenses. And in 10-3, I actually asked the warden to address that with his inspectors. And uh, his response essentially was, well, it's the easiest thing to ask for. Uh, so, you know, that's what we're going to do. Um, so that was the that was the thinking behind that at least. Uh, if if you're not a big fan of the idea, though, you'll be heartened to know that uh, it doesn't seem like it's probably going to happen. So, 
I'll tell you my my you know my concern around this is just that um, I feel like so many places become weirdly cluttered with signs, and that the signs them are not really integrated well together and not really designed from from the beginning, and that people don't appreciate how hard it is to do that kind of information design. Yeah. And it just ends up being like some bulletin board at work or like the door of some business where there's like 45 little signs taped up there, and they're you know you go up and you open the wrong door, and they're like it says open the other door. Don't you see that sign? Yeah. You know, and it just becomes like a bunch of craziness that doesn't help anything. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that there's some validity to that concern. And, and I mean, you know, one, what they seem to be talking about tonight, which is another issue, is that they were they were kind of talking like what we asked for was for them to blow up the whole flow chart, which wasn't what we asked for at all. We, we asked for mm-hmm. just the proof of residency part. Just put up a big list that says what proof of residency is, you know, mm-hmm. what the seven or whatever documents are that you can use. Um, but at any rate, it doesn't seem like it's probably going to happen. And part of the reasoning uh, from the clerk's standpoint was um, to keep continuity in the polls, uh, you know, not only in Worcester but throughout the state. So. Okay. And, and just to not be doing all kinds of different things in Worcester versus other cities. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Well, so, uh, there before, we are. But before you move on from that, um, I, the, they did have a couple pieces of new business, and I wanted to just mention one of them because I thought it was okay. kind of astounding um, and it should lead to all sorts of fun on Election Day as if we weren't going to have enough already. Um, apparently, for the first time in a very long time or maybe ever, um, they have printed the entirety of the three ballot questions on the ballots in both English and Spanish. So okay. they're actually going to be voting with two uh, ballot cards. So when every, everyone who goes in will get two sheets of ballot instead of one. What? Yeah. And not only will you be getting two sheets of ballot, you'll be, they'll be 18 inches long as opposed to 12 inches long. And apparently the machines that accept the ballots uh, don't like taking extra long pieces of paper. So, uh, so that should be fine. Wait. So this is, so this is in... Um... This is going on in Worcester or in every city? Statewide, yeah. Wow. Yep. Well. Yeah, so that was uh, that was a gem of information that should make things interesting on uh, Election Day as well. They're worried about right. what's going to happen if somebody decides to only vote one piece and not vote the ballot questions, or what if they lose mm-hmm. it, or what if the machines decide, you know, at 8 in the morning when there's 100 people in line that, you know, they don't want to take these 18 inches of pieces of ballot, which apparently is an issue. Um, so, yeah. Chris, any, any, you know, I mean, you just kind of touched on what my question was going to be, but I mean, being kind of familiar with the the machines that we use to uh, that we feed our ballots into, um, don't they don't they tally off per page that goes in? How many votes? So, like, can, can those be set to handle a two page ballot? So apparently, they can be set to properly count both pages, but okay. how it's going to affect the ballot count on the machine was actually something that I was wondering when they were talking about this. And unfortunately, they weren't taking any public questions tonight, so I didn't get a chance to get that clarified. But I'll be looking I to do that. Um, I'm actually meeting uh, along with some of the other folks from the statewide coalition with the Secretary of the Commonwealth's Office tomorrow, so I'm hoping to get an answer on that. I want to ask you guys to go on record if you're comfortable with this. What percentage, what percentage of ballots do you think will be incomplete because of this two-page deal? How many, how many people are going to be going in there and only – what percentage of people will only be casting one of the two pages? Uh, what percentage? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I say in Worcester you're probably going to have upwards of 15%. It will just be people getting bored by the time they get to the uh, the end of the ballot questions. Who, who just give up? up. Chris Robarge, can you, can yeah. you speculate? 
I, I think 15 or 20 percent is, is probably not a wildly outrageous number, and I think it's going to really suck for uh, the people that are uh, on either side of the ballot initiatives this year, because uh, you're going to maybe have some voter fatigue or just confusion. I'm going to say I'm going to say it's I'm going to say 10 percent. I'm going to say not much less than 10 percent, but 10 percent. You know that that is an interesting it's an interesting year to make a decision like that, considering that. You know, the ballot questions that we have are, I mean, at least on the surface, some of them are relatively controversial. But even though they, on the surface, they're relatively controversial, they seem to have very wide margins of support. I saw a public policy yeah. polling came out today. I mean, it was close to 60% in favor on both the uh, death with dignity um, question as well as the uh, medical marijuana question. And I mean, those are two things that have been in the works for uh, decades now, uh, you know, yeah. some, some form or another, to think that, you know, Again, voter fatigue might be an issue for things that important that that much work has gone into. Seems to indicate a, a sincere lack of thought uh, from the Secretary of State's office. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. And I mean, both of the ballot initiatives that actually matter because um, remember, right to repair is is a done deal. It's on the ballot only yeah, it's, to pull it off the ballot. So right. both of the things that that actually matter are uh, <clears throat> are issues of. Uh, you know, great social import uh, that, that folks have been working on on both sides for, for a long time. So it will be interesting. And then the interesting thing is we'll be able to quantify that number because we'll know how many people cast a, uh, a ballot for the, for the top-level races versus how many uh, voted on the questions precinct by precinct. So uh, data nerds will have, uh, will have a lot to play with. That that decision actually makes the flowchart seem like a really great idea. I didn't take it a step further and say the flowchart in conjunction with the Venn diagram um, would would be a better idea than than having a two page, eighteen inch ballot. <laughs> yeah. Chris, did you have anything else you wanted to say about the uh, voting stuff? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I really just that um, <clears throat> you know, a to remind people that uh, you know. Election day is November 6th, um, and that it is back on a Tuesday after its uh, brief uh, flirtation with Thursday voting. Um, and to let folks know that um, if they need to make any changes to their uh, registration information, uh, it needs to be done by October 17th, which is not too long from today. Um, and that folks that are inactive can actually go onto the city's website and uh, there's a, uh, which is WorcesterMA.gov for anyone who doesn't have it. Um, and you can actually, uh, there's a link there that says, where do I vote? It's on the left-hand side. And you can enter in uh, a few pieces of information. It will pull up your registration information. And if you're inactive, there is actually a link right there to the affidavit that they ask you to fill out. So if folks can get that, print it out, and uh, either mail it in or get it to the elections office before the 17th, they can alleviate a lot of these problems before they actually have to go to the polls. So it's a good thing for folks to check. Um, and then Chris, just to make sure that... Go ahead. No, sorry, I, I thought I, I read someone who was covering the meeting tonight that the, the um, cards that were supposed to be mailed out to allow folks to reactivate themselves, those were apparently mailed on the 4th. Have you any report of people actually receiving those yet? That, yeah, I, as, so, of, um, as of today, I haven't seen mine, and, and I, I don't know if they were routed through China or whatnot, but it's, that, that seems like an awful long time for a piece of mail to uh, circulate locally. Yeah, so, you know, the, the, the clerk sort of generally indicated that some had started coming back and that they're working busily to process them, um, but they didn't really give too much of an indication. They went to the mailer on the 4th, but I guess they didn't actually get mailed out until the 5th or 6th. Huh, so, okay, well, um, maybe not too far off then. 
Yeah, so it's maybe just, it just amazes me. What, it, it, it amazes me as a homeowner how, with what efficiency uh, the city is is able to get me my water uh, and sewer bill. Uh, yet something you know as as seemingly trivial apparently as voting, uh, you know, it, it can take months for because I, I still don't don't believe that I ever received my first uh, notification that I was inactive. Uh, yeah, and, I, and I'm 99 percent sure I actually mailed back my census card when it came through because I. Remember uh, bitching quite a bit that the uh, online uh, form to uh, fill up the census was broken this year, and it, you know, I remember waving the paper form around over, over my head in my living room, all ticked off that I couldn't just do it online. So, yeah, I mean, it no, seems as though it's been a fail on the city side, at least from my perspective. Memory isn't great, getting old, but pretty sure I sent in my census form that should have alleviated all of this. Ninety-nine percent yeah. sure I never got my first notification, and the second one with seven days to six days to go before it's due, still hasn't shown up in my house. Seems like a real yeah. home run from the uh, the folks at City Hall. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I've lived at the same address now for four years. Um, I get my excise bill every year, no problem. Uh, but I actually haven't received a city census in all of the four years that I've lived there. So, uh, nor have <laughs> I received any, any indication that I was inactive. So it, it was it came as a surprise to me to find that I was inactive when I went to vote in uh, in September. So, you know, I, I think that there uh, there is an argument to be made there. I think it also has a lot to do with the fact that uh, we've got, you know, gutted our uh, our elections division. Uh, you know, well, that's why I was being I was being very careful not to put any blame on David Rushford on, on that right. front because, yeah, no, I, I just seen City Hall because, you know, a decision yeah. was made to, like you said, to gut their entire staff. Uh, yeah. And I think we probably yeah. could have alleviated a lot of these problems. And again, I, I know a lot of the burden comes from the state because we're following state law, but yeah, just from a, a simple, you know, matter of logic here in dealing with reality, you know, somebody's been paying my water and sewer bill all these years. You would think the city would be able to figure out that it's not just some phantom squatter who's living at my house, mailing checks with my name on them on a semi-regular basis, uh, and yeah. been able to put together that I do in fact still live in the home that I bought and pay taxes on regularly. Yeah, one would think, you know, uh, but yeah, you know, we're the second largest city in New England and we no longer have an elections commissioner. And I, I think David Rushford is doing a fantastic job considering that this isn't actually his job. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. It's, it's an issue. Yeah. Well, got, well, Chris, thanks for coming out to talk about this voting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to talk to Brendan about some other stuff, but I will, I will let you hang up your phone because I don't really know how to control this Skype very well on this new computer. Okay, I will do. I will. I will dutifully hang up my phone. All right. Take care. Enjoy sir. Your evening. All right. Brendan, Michael, I think we should. Uh, we should perpetrate some voter fraud this time around. I think this is almost I, shameful that you know, there's, with the number of people that live in Worcester County, we've got two instances of voter fraud. I mean, that 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 almost seems unseemly. You, you the way people talk around here, you would think as though they're. On every corner, there there was fraud taking place. Every polling place, dozens of people fraudulently voting. That uh, doesn't seem to be. I, I think we might there might be a market there. there might be a market I for increasing voting voter fraud. The thing is, you got to do the fraud, and then you got to get publicity for your fraud somehow, right? There's no reason to do fraud if nobody knows about it. How are you going to join that elite uh, that elite group without going to prison? I guess it would also be. That's elite. the tricky thing. That's exactly the that's exactly the tricky thing right there. Well, I wanted to ask. I wanted to bring up two things. One is this thing about kidnapping. One is this thing about panhandling. I want to do a quick panhandling check-in. We talked. We haven't talked about panhandling in like a long time on the 508 show. You'll remember when we last visited this topic that the city said 
We have an anti-panhandling campaign. Now, many years ago, the city, five years ago maybe, the city had an anti-panhandling campaign where they said, what we're going to do is we're going to run a bunch of ads and we're going to get a bunch of money together for some street outreach. We're going to run ads telling people, don't give to people who ask you for things. And we're going to do some street outreach to try to like help people with uh, panhandling. And so what they did in that case was they actually did, did run the ads, which ran for a while, didn't seem to have a huge impact on the problem, uh, were fairly controversial, were widely defaced. And they didn't do the part of it which was like a so, the social services part of like trying to come up with some sort of, uh, you know, panhandling specific social, panhandler specific social services. And the, this the, time the around, end result was, yeah. I mean, the, the streets, street corners were still full of young men and women begging for money for their little league and uh, softball events. I mean, oh, the, don't even, don't even. accomplished I'm nothing about in terms of, oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm just talking about actual, like, I'm talking about people who are actually, you know. The have a streak of bad luck, or trying to feed a drug habit, or whatever. We uh, we uh, we recently have had the city have a, have put out a similar uh, plan once again. This time, the plan was to have somebody who was going to go around and talk to all the panhandlers and actually feed back some anonymized stats to the city government, and also just make sure all the panhandlers were like, you know, somebody had talked to them about uh, you know coming inside of the system or what the, what we could do for them, um, and then also to run an ad campaign. Uh, actually, in this case, the ad campaign hasn't happened, or if, at least if it's happened, it has happened in no media that I follow. Have you seen any ads around anti-panhandling stuff? Uh, no, I have not. Um, I hope I hope that that's because we put the fear of God in these people the last time. That like, man, if you start running ads telling people to like be callous jerks, first of all, New England redundant. Second of all, it's just a bad vibe. It's just a bad vibe for the city. It's, it makes the city look bad. You know, people come through the city, they're like, oh, Worcester, they're a bunch of callous jerks. Great. What a wonderful place. Yeah, not much is accomplished from that. Yeah. yeah. On the other hand, they actually did have this guy go around and, like, we we have photos on Twitter and everything. This guy go around to, like, talk to all the panhandlers and say, hey, hey, man, what's up? This actually seemed to, at least in the very short term, reduce the number of panhandlers, although I feel like the numbers rebounded a little bit. It feels like the numbers are, are less than they were at the peak of the summer right now, but still, there's plenty of panhandlers out there. Um... But, uh, yeah, we don't really have any numbers. I don't – at least no public numbers have come back from this process yet. No, uh, and, to, and the gentleman yeah. did have a clipboard. So, I mean, he was doing something yeah. with it. You would see he was yeah. counting somebody somewhere. Yeah, so so that's where we are today as far as panhandling in general. Um, in pain, as far as in specific, there was actually a guy who was arrested uh, for aggressive panhandling this morning. Um, and from people listening to the police scanner, it seems like – Either the police received a series of complaints or somebody from the Department of Public Works drove by and observed this bad behavior and the police came over. And this is a guy who – you said you actually uh, almost ran over this guy because he was wandering around in the street this morning. I actually have no idea who this is. The only photos I've seen are from his back. Yeah, I'm no, sure this is somebody who I would recognize if I saw his face, but I have no idea who, who we're talking about here. But it's somebody who's just sort of staggering through the roof streets and today was today was apparently arrested – and told, hey, you got to you got to not do this, man. It's odd that it, you know I was actually uh, it was this morning, right? And it must have been just minutes before uh, someone called the police on him um, that I, I actually almost ran the guy over because he stumbled out into the street. And it, it, it's it's an interesting he's an interesting gentleman because it seems like he has a really difficult time walking. Uh, but if you look yeah. at him when he the, the way that he walks, and again, it seems like he might have a medical condition that makes it difficult for him to walk. It appears as though he's like almost running at you. At times, but yeah. it, it it really looks like it's just him trying to keep his balance. So 
I, I mm. often wonder if people are viewing him as being uh, aggressive when, in fact, it's just somebody who appears to have a physical handicap. But again, that's just I, I'm not a medical professional dealing with a um, or, we don't know or, or what the yeah. Is. Yeah, well, I mean, we could also point out that also there are reports that he's back on the street panelling again this evening. So at least in this case, the intervention appears not to have worked. Um, that's that's where we are, we are with pain handling. Uh, yeah, I, believe the the only, uh, I think the only official uh, word that we've had from city government involving panhandling since this initial process started with the uh, gentleman out on the street, you know, collecting data and whatnot, was uh, from City Councilor Rick Rushton, uh, who was able to identify a panhandler who was asking money for for money specifically for weed. Um, and that was okay. he viewed that as being problematic. So yeah, I don't think we've actually had any official word on panhandling other than there are guys on the street who have really funny signs. Yes, there are definitely panhandlers in Worcester who who have signs which are basically like, "Hey man, I want to get drunk slash high. Give me some money." And for some people, that's like totally what they're looking for in a sign. Not everybody. That's what I look for. And a little bit of creativity. I'm actually the only thing that I like more than a guy with a funny sign is somebody who has an instrument. If you can combine panhandling with busking, that Home run. That's. I, I wish I had more money in my pocket to give you. Busking, I can support. Busking, I can support heavily. Um, so the other thing is this thing about kidnapping. So this involves. This is something which I. When we don't have a lot of like firsthand knowledge of this because we have now actually talked to the people involved. This is mostly from reading uh, various newspaper accounts and also a press release that was uh, that was released on behalf of the person who was kidnapped. This is about Christina uh, Andrianopoulos, who is you know a Worcester a Worcester. Um, a Worcester personality, and she was in Liberia last month and was kidnapped and beat up and reportedly tortured somehow, though I haven't seen the details of this. And then at some point, uh, her kidnappers became scared that there was going to be massive police reprisals for this kidnapping. They, they were trying to ransom her. Uh, and the ransom they were asking for, according to some reports here, was going down and down and down. And then finally they got word that somehow some sort of, the, you know, the fist of God was going to come down on them law enforcement-wise. So the, plant, so the kidnappers ran away and she escaped. And then she's been stuck in Liberia because they want her to, like, testify against the kidnappers who they then later captured. And she's been angry and doesn't want to have to stay in Liberia after going through all this mess. Um, today, 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 I feel like one of the many shoes that potentially can drop here have dropped, which is everybody who I think read the initial account of this, like, oh, I have gone to Liberia to like talk to some sort of business person, but whenever the business person's car driver came to pick me up, like it wasn't actually the driver, it was like these kidnappers. And the question then is like, how does anybody know that like Christina is going to meet this guy and sending some sort of false driver? Is the kidnap is the businessman himself the kidnapper is the businessman himself even exist uh is this some sort of weird you know like nigerian type email scam where somebody has sent uh you know an email to someone involved here and said you should come to africa and they have come today today the word hoax comes out in the press as she she uh, tells the telegram that potentially this is a hoax very confusing telegram story today uh both calling the the uh, person who was Mr. Techo, Bryce Techo, that she was supposed to be meeting in Liberia. Uh, she he he's he identified both as a business partner of uh, Christina's boyfriend, as well as not existing. Yeah. I, so I don't know what I, this is. 
No, I mean, it, it, it's one of, yeah, we might have more information on, on the whole uh, situation if you and I were not both Gmail users and all of those emails automatically went to our spam folder. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, I should, you know, I should see if I have anything from Bryce Tetch on my Gmail. I'm, this seriously, you know, if, if you can do it while you're on the phone, that's great. I mean, it, it, it strikes me as though, you know, and I hope I'm wrong on this because I, I like to think higher of my uh, fellow humans, but it seems as though this is one of those things that uh, most people kind of picked up on as being a scam somewhere around 2003, 2004, um, which is kind of tragic that somebody hopped on a plane and went to Liberia uh, to meet, according to the press reports, a number of Nigerian businessmen uh, who somehow were going to be able to offer large sums of money yeah. for some degree of assistance. That's, that, that's I, kind I of an old story. Yeah. I would just like to say here, this is, sounds like a really horrifying experience. And if this is as a part of somebody being, I mean, she says in the paper that she never gave anybody any money. Mm. So again, like it's it's a, it's an open question: who who here gave who money, or enough? Who here gave who enough of something that somebody actually went to Africa? Uh, this is all very this is all deeply deeply mysterious, and it seems like a horrifying situation. And um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like if it involves like being scammed or hoaxed, in some ways it's even worse because then like people. I feel like people, you're going to have even less, you're going to have like less sympathy. Like people, like it goes from being like a horrifying thing to the thing where some people are going to look at you and be like, ah, you got your, you know, you did it to yourself. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's, it, I just did that myself, right? I mean, it, it, you automatically kind of go into blame the victim mode, which isn't necessarily the intent, but one does have to kind of shake yeah. their head and say, you know, how'd you not see that coming on some level? If it is in fact a scam, it seems like it's one of the oldest scams that exists on the internet. Uh, in its current form, no less tragic that somebody had such a terrible experience. Um, but man, if it is just, in fact, a hoax, it, it, it seems like a, a, a terrible way to, to play that through. I know. I, I tell you, I've definitely read plenty of stories of people uh, losing a lot of money to hoaxes like this. But boy, to be kidnapped and like physically assaulted, I don't know. That's pretty That's pretty crazy. That's pretty horrific. Yeah, it looks like, I, I mean, I... I, I believe this weekend she's still supposed she's supposed to be returning home so hopefully when she gets out of the country and has a little bit better opportunity to speak uh publicly about things seems though it's kind of difficult to to deal public to get some of that information out while still being held by liberian officials hopefully some of that yeah. is, is cleared up yeah also posting goofy things to facebook during her her exile in liberia which is also weird but that's a it's an irrelevant aside i guess um the world is weird, Brendan. That's well, all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I think we, at this point in, in, in our history uh, as a species, posting updates to Facebook and Twitter, probably, no matter how, how uh, crazy a situation you're in, not really that uncommon. You know what? I think it's true. So we've it's had true. entire revolutions that have been uh, you know, captured via Twitter and whatnot. I probably you know, would not be of the mindset to pull up my smartphone and start tweeting uh, while bullets are whizzing over my head. Some people do that. Who am I to judge? You know, I like doing this audio version of the show. I've forgotten <sighs> how much I like doing this version of the show. I can just sit back and listen to people talk about things and not feel like I have to, you know, keep things moving and finish it 29 minutes and 55 seconds or whatever. It is nice. We can cut out all the dead air. For people for people who don't watch the video version or for people, I don't even know if we mentioned this, I think we're going to start switching off. We're going to start doing the audio show a little more often. Uh, because it's easier for us to bring in people who otherwise it would be tricky to physically coordinate everybody to get in the same place at the same time. And we will still do the video version a lot because the video version is totally awesome. It will still be on Channel 13. Uh, 
I think we'll just I think we'll have fewer weeks where there's no show at all, and there may just be more weeks where instead of doing a video show, we do an audio show. Maybe we, we can start sending them audio version, Channel Thirteen audio versions of uh, the show, and like accompany them with video that has been put in the public domain, and we'll just have our voices running while some random video is played. Oh, you know, public People domain are doing cartoons. Yeah, old cartoons, you know, movies like Freaks, that'd be great. Like, you and I talking while some, like, really crazy scenes from movie Freaks is played. That would be fun. Night of the Living Dead's in the public domain. Yeah. I'm just saying. Huh. There's an idea there. Brendan, enjoy your week. I think we're going to come back next week for another exciting show. Oh, I wanted to, I wanted to just mention, too, we had a, we had a special Occupy video, uh, video for the show last week. People should check that video out. Occupy Worcester is definitely. We could actually do a little quick follow-up to that too. Like Occupy Worcester is definitely uh, uh, trying to become a going concern again. I mean, as far as like something which is having a lot of meetings and a lot of activity. Um, I think people are very aware that uh, the format of frequent, you know, long public meetings um, is not a good format for most people mm-hmm. as far as doing activism, and so they need to have fewer of those really grueling meetings and more action and more other ways for people to get organized. And so uh, this Sunday, people are having a big meeting. I think if you Google around or Facebook around, you can find the details for this. So this Sunday, people are having a a meeting. Uh, This week for the uh, anniversary of Occupy Worcester, uh, people just had sort of a little event on the common. And I only stayed for like the first 20 minutes, which is mostly people hanging out. And then I had to go and do something else. But that was more of like a party with a long meeting attached, or a longish meeting attached, and this is going to just be like the long meeting part. Um, I was glad to see Worcester Magazine actually mentioned uh, the Occupy Worcester uh, event on the comment. I didn't see anything in the Telegram, which is pretty shocking to me, considering how much coverage they gave Occupy Worcester last year. I mean, I don't know. There's definitely projects I've been involved with that I felt like were undercovered by the press. This is one of the few that I felt was overcovered by the press. So it's a little weird that like the, the anniversary was not mentioned in the telegram, but, uh, you know, if people have their priorities, I guess. I'm sure it just anyway. left their mind. Yeah, you know, it's hard to remember this stuff. Anyway, if, if people are interested in Occupy Worcester, what's going on with it? Sun- this Sunday is the is the next organizational meeting. I'm not going to go to this organizational meeting, but I'm definitely going to keep, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to keep in touch with what's going on uh, with Occupy in the city of Worcester. Excellent. Well, in the meantime, Mike, you know, be safe and, and be wary of voter fraud. Be careful out there. I'm keeping my eyes open. Brendan, thanks for being on the show. Everyone, thanks for watching this show. Listening. No watching. Thanks for looking at your computer as nothing <laughs> happens while you listen to this show. And uh, we'll talk to everyone next week. Take care, brother. Thank you.